Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. We had hoped. These three words are the part of our gospel text today that I think really draw us into the story. Because at one point or another, all of us have found ourselves with those three words on our lips. We had hoped. We had hoped this job would be the one that would last. We had hoped that this move would bring that much-needed fresh start. We had hoped that this school year would bring something new with our friends or with that bully or with our grades. We had hoped that this effort, this new approach, would revive an old relationship. In recent weeks, our hopes have focused on controlling the spread of a deadly virus. We had hoped it would just stay in China. We had hoped that a few weeks of social distancing would make it all go away. We had hoped we would just wake up one day and it would all be over. We had hoped. But now that hope seems fleeting at best. That's exactly how the disciples we're about to meet in Luke chapter 24, our feeling. It is Easter evening in this story, but boy, these two disciples really aren't quite sure yet about the resurrection. They feel like all hope is lost. Listen with those ears as I share this reading from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then Jesus said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the things about himself in the scriptures. 
As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Now, strictly speaking, this is a resurrection story, right? It takes place on Easter Sunday, on sun, on Easter Sunday but it is a different story on some level than the Easter stories we've heard the last two weeks. This, this is at its core the story of two followers of Jesus who are deeply dejected, hopeless, horribly eager to get away from it all. Their journey is not toward Jesus' tomb, it's in the other direction. They need to get away from all their frustration, despair, and their loss of hope. Their names are Cleopas and some other person, nameless in Scripture. They are followers of Jesus, though not of the original twelve. A week earlier, they'd had such, such hope for Jesus. He had marched triumphantly into Jerusalem, and this healer, teacher, leader, and friend seemed poised to bring his message to the center now of Jewish faith life. But seemingly before those echoes of Hosanna even stopped ringing, the story takes a tragic turn. Jesus is arrested, he's put on trial, he's crucified. He didn't even debate with his would-be accusers. This eloquent, fiery, edgy man they had put their hopes in was now oddly quiet before them all. And now his death had silenced Jesus for good. As far as these two disciples are concerned, there's no hope left. Right? You have to remember this is Luke's gospel here. So far in Luke's gospel, the risen Jesus hasn't shown up yet. Up to this point, all these followers have is the word of the women who spoke to some angel after seeing an empty tomb. And to them, Luke writes, it seems an idle tale. Too much to believe. So these two, Cleopas and the unnamed disciple, head back to Emmaus. Right? It may be Easter Sunday, but not for them. To them, Jesus hasn't been raised. To them, the empty tomb is just a sign that Jesus' body's probably been stolen, robbing their would-be Messiah of even a respectable burial. They'd had enough. They're headed home. Lost and dejected, having had their hopes and dreams ripped from their hearts, they just head back home. It's the only place they can think to go. And here's a word of hope for anyone who has ever found themselves on a road like that. Right? Here is a word of encouragement for, for people with those words, we had hoped on their lips. 
in their dejected, hopeless state as they run away to no place in particular, the risen Jesus actually shows up in their journey. Now their eyes at first are held from recognizing, but Jesus suddenly comes up behind them on their path, and in so many words, Jesus asks them, well, what's, what's wrong? Right? And though they, they can't believe he's not heard the story of the events of Jerusalem in the past few days, they tell their sad tale. This stranger has engaged them and invited them to tell their story. And, and do you notice, they stop in this journey down that lonely, hopeless road, and they talk. They are already being drawn back into fellowship with the rest of the world, just merely through the empathy of this stranger. After sharing their woes, this still-hidden Jesus begins to open the Scripture to them and explain that all that happened to Jesus was a fulfillment of Scripture. As they get to their home in Emmaus, Jesus moves like, like he's going to continue down the road, but they urge him to stay the night. And as they sit down to eat, Jesus breaks the bread and gives it to them. Oh, this is beginning to feel familiar. And in that moment, that clearly communion-like moment, their eyes are open to see that the risen Jesus Christ has been with them on their journey and is now with them in their home, at their table. But poof, right? He instantly disappears from their sight. He's there, visible, just for a moment, and then he's gone. But even with this brief appearance, these followers are so overjoyed that they cannot help but run back to Jerusalem and tell the eleven, the Lord has met them in the midst of their hopelessness and given them a reason to hope again. So people of God, my prayer for you today is simple. That wherever you are in your journey, that you would suddenly become keenly aware that you do not travel alone. I pray that through some concrete sign, your eyes would be open to see the risen Christ walking right beside you. Now the hard part, of course, is that many of the usual places where we expect to encounter Jesus are simply not available to us right now. We cannot gather for worship and Holy Communion right now. Right now, we, we, we can't share hugs and handshakes. We can't get together at the boondocks or Larry's or, or the Uptown with our coffee and meal groups. But just as Christ showed up in an unexpected way to these disciples on a lonely road to Emmaus, I believe that Christ will show up in our lives and our moments when we least expect also. Maybe Christ has come or will come in a phone call, an email, or a Zoom call from an old friend or from someone new. Maybe you've seen Christ through a deepened appreciation of our weekly radio broadcast, a 50-year-old ministry where you are seeing Christ now for the first time or seeing Christ in a new way. Perhaps you will see Christ through a suddenly deepened awareness of all the ordinary but amazing gifts all around you as you shelter in place. Gifts like daily bread, a home, a family, work, 
and everything else you need these days. Maybe Christ will show up through a stranger. Strangers are especially scary to us these days. Who knows if they're sick or not, right? But be on the lookout for Christ in both friend and stranger. And maybe you are the stranger through whom Christ will be revealed to another. Christ is risen, my friends. May that word turn us from our despair to hope beyond hope again this day. May Christ appear to our eyes of faith, even if just for a fleeting moment, and stir our troubled hearts to faith anew today. And may that word, that hope, send us into the world, this very different world, expecting even in these strange times to meet Christ and to be Christ in our everyday journeys too. Grace and peace, my friends. May you be strengthened for the journey and may Christ appear on your path in you and through you. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.